Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Mental toughness can be defined as the struggle to keep going in the face of the mounting desire to stop. I think it's pretty simple. I think it's a pretty good definition. One thing is for sure, though, you're going to face that moment, regardless of what kind of running you're doing. Is it possible to prepare for that moment when you think, maybe I should just go home, or a cup of tea would be really nice right now, or worse still, what am I doing here? The GOAT, the Queen of Irish Athletics herself, Sonia O'Sullivan, joins me from Melbourne, Australia, to talk about how you, yes you, can get mentally tougher easily each and every day without even knowing it. We're going to talk about her visit to this year's World Cross Country Championships to see the best of the best grind it out in the scorching conditions on a very tough course. And we'll go around the parishes to hear what you've been running. And as the road to the London Marathon reaches nine weeks to go, I'll check in with Vinnie Mulvey, the top Irish physical therapist and running coach, who's been coaching Sonia and I in preparation for our next events. Sonia, it's always great to have you here. How are you doing down under? I'm good. I'm back in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, it's good to be back. It took me um, a while to get here because I went via uh, Sydney and then to get to Bathurst for the World Cross Country was another three hours drive away. Oh, Lord. So it was a bit, it was, it was definitely a bit of an excursion for, you know, anyone who took on the challenge of competing at World Cross Country this year and of even all the people who took on the challenge of going to, you know, cheer on the sidelines and, you know, create an amazing atmosphere. I mean, if anyone's watched any of the videos and, you know, just the um, highlights of the championships, it was pretty amazing. Um, I was right in the middle of all the crowds during the mixed relay event where Australia had brought their best runners um, together and got them all out there running 2,000 metres each. And there was there was expectation that they might even win a gold medal. Um, and in the end, they came away with the bronze medal um, because, you know, the mice of the world cross countries, the Kenyans, always has been, and the Ethiopians. And, you know, even though they came with probably not so well-known names on the world stage, um, they didn't lack any mental or physical toughness on what was a very challenging course. Yeah, it's bread and butter to them and it's it really does tie in with the theme for today that it's kind of fortuitous that you were there to see that because the reading that I've done around mental toughness is all focused on the idea of accumulating it and layering it up that uh, if you place yourself in those difficult positions over and over again it just grows naturally. So for those Kenyan runners this situation that you describe as being scorching heat, very difficult course, is just like that's that's day to day for them. Yeah, I mean, I think the surface that the cross country was on this weekend is definitely very familiar to terrain that I have seen when I've been to both Kenya and Ethiopia, and you know, surfaces that they would run on every day. Um, I think you know there was a lot of people missing from this World Championships, and that's not to say that it was an easier race by any means it was you know the 
the best people were there. So at the high end, all the best runners were there. But some of the teams were a little bit diluted. Some were not there at all. Definitely it wasn't supported by European teams. And, you know, cross country, it came out of Europe, really, hmm. initially. That was where, you know, it all started, cross country and steeplechase running over ditches and through farmer's fields and, you know, having the toughest of cross country courses. Um, but there's just so much choice and things for athletes to do these days. And because times have become so important to people uh, and cross country doesn't align with that. It takes you out of your comfort zone and it takes you to places a little bit uncontrollable. You know, there's no, you can't predict what's coming. It's very unpredictable. Yeah. Um, you don't, you know, when you go to a cross country course, you generally go for a walk around the course and this one, like many they are now, is 2K loops. So you have the starting, you start out and this one you had to run up the hill to start. And then it was whatever around to make it up to 2K. And there was a lot of undulations. There was muddy patches, sandy patches. You know, there was some nice running. There was downhill, uphill, twisty turning, nothing you know, that would allow you to get in any kind of a smooth rhythm where you would be going at an even pace. And I think a lot of athletes these days, you know, the elite runners running at the World Championships, the Olympics, and the fun runners, those people training for the London Marathon like yourself, it's always about managing your pace and mm. kind of balancing your effort throughout so that you can get through there, you know, feeling good. Sure. And that's that's just taken away when you line up in a cross-country race. <laughs> yeah, and look, that also brings up another thing that uh, came out in the research and the preparation for this, that if you're worried about your mental toughness heading for maybe your first marathon or maybe your first half, uh, that variation is one way to instantly increase your ability to resist, as I said at the top of the show, the urge to stop that, as you say there, all of this undulation, uh, twists and turns and heat may, was throwing the kitchen sink at these runners and really finding out who's got it. If you're running the same route every day, you're like, well, that's my loop. I do my loop every day. <laughs> you're not actually building the ability to adjust when things are unknown, which is what you're going to face into in any race. It's not going to be on your loop. So would that be the first kind of thing to think about if you're going, well, how do I increase my toughness variety? Yeah, I mean, I the other thing you need, variety is good. And then, you know, not to be always looking for perfect conditions. Mm. You know, if, it, if it's raining or windy outside, sometimes you'd hear people say, oh, I'd wait till the afternoon. The weather, <laughs> might, the weather <laughs> might clear up. Definitely guilty of that, off. yeah. <laughs> um, I've even heard people say, I might wear my Gwyn doors later on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for those lucky enough to be near an indoor track. Um, but when, I suppose, we, what we need to do initially is to ask the question, like, what do you think mental toughness is? Like, when you first hear that, what comes to mind straight away? Um, for me, I guess, now that I have that definition that I've given at the top of the show, it it is, I recognise it as the ability to resist the voice 
it's the voice, as you say, the voice that goes, Usher, maybe go indoors today to to find something difficult and push through the other side. To me, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, it's kind of looking for the easier option. It's not that you don't want to do it, but you want to do it in a better condition or a better environment. Yeah, cozier. And yeah, you don't want to have to overcome obstacles that are put in your way that make it a little bit harder and to realize that it actually doesn't matter what you want just telling you if the effort is still the same mm. you know it's a bit like running up hills like coming to the cove 10 mile a lot of people will say oh it's very hilly though isn't it but it is but there's downhills as well and mm. they're great fun you know <laughs> so you you take the good with bad and um i was actually i was reading a book i was given a book when I was in Boston there, I don't know if I... I think you posted a photo of this, yeah. Yeah, um, I did actually, yeah. It's, um, it's called Personal Best Running. And it's by this coach. He coaches at the New Balance um, Boston team in Boston, Mark Coogan. And it's a nice book because it's kind of... It compiles all the things that you kind of know already. But it's got them in a nice organized way that... You go through it and you're kind of reassuring yourself that, oh, yeah, I know that. That makes sense. <laughs> and, you know, the stuff that I believe in and understand that, you know, other people believe and understand that as well and live by those rules, and um, which is basic simple training. And so he actually has a whole thing about using your mind to run faster. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect now. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to... Um, get, get into this today and he was quoting um, a coach called Percy Serity have you ever heard of him? No Percy Serity so Yes yeah, so he's a famous Australian coach and um, he used to coach Herb Elliott and he was really famous for tough training and they would do these training camps down in Portsea and run up sand dunes in the bare feet and re really hard training and these training camps and Serity, who is the coach, used to say to Herb Elliott, who um, I'm trying to think if he was an Olympic champion or world champion, but he was definitely um, one of the best runners at the time in the era of John Landley and Roger Bannister and Ronnie Delaney. Like they were the ones. He's the 1960 Olympic. Yeah, I've got and him up on screen here. Yeah, this guy yeah. is really. Was he the Olympic champion in 1960? Um, yeah, it says as an athlete here, I don't know if he, if he actually was champ, but he, uh, I mean, his list of accolades are insane. And as you say, he's, uh, yeah, he, he was at Rome in 1960. It says he set a world record to win gold in the 1500. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that was four years after Ronnie Delaney won. In um in Melbourne and um so Sarity says to Elliot he says you may run faster than me. This was the morning of the uh, the fifteen hundred meter Olympic final, <laughs> but he said you will not run harder than me. Wow. <laughs> so you know you may not be able to run as fast, but you may be a tougher and run harder. But in a way, that's kind of looking back at the old school way that people used to visualize mental toughness you know you would you would run through a brick wall or you would never stop you'd never give up um whereas now i think people train smarter and they run smarter and so the mental toughness 
Oh, what was your man? There was a fella, there was a runner who used to be in the Beano as well. and we were going for the real deep dive the real sports psychology stuff here we're dipping into the vino but i know you mean it was all about the grit and the the grind it was one of those cartoons anyway and i used to love reading it he was called the something the tough the tougher the track i think his name was that was what he was described as he was like the toughest out there you know when he comes and he's probably got like the the worst gear and the Alf Tupper was that him? The <laughs> top of, of the track, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, right, I see it. So he was like the the quintessential hard man of the track. Yeah, so I think you know that's what we, I kind of think of when I think of you know being mentally tough is that you're just kind of like just crazy, you know, like mm. nothing's going to stop you. Whereas now, and Mark says in his book here, Mark Hoover, he said it's a bit more kind of. Um, what would you say? The way you, I suppose, talk about mental toughness now, it's a bit more managed or controlled or nuanced. And so you would, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit more, it's, it's just not about being just pure tough and it, it's a bit more controlled, I suppose. Yeah. So even though you're like the cross country is uncontrolled, <laughs> but the way that you would approach it would be a bit more controlled, even though physically, it will take you out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. And then you have you have to be tough to get through it. But you actually go back and he, he calls it psychological strength. So it, as well as working on your physical training program, you're working on your mental training program. And But they go hand in hand. And that's what I think you were talking with Vinny. Yeah, later later in the show, we talked to Vinnie Mulvey, as I mentioned at the top, who this week visited David Goggins, who is, I guess, the poster boy for mental toughness at this point in fitness and running. I mean, a lot of people who follow Goggins aren't runners, but they need to learn to persevere. or That's what they find in him. So we'll get the full rundown of what that event was like and what Vinnie Mulvey took from it. Vinny, of course, uh, elite runner in his day, ran for Iona, was a decorated All-American and ran for Ireland as well on teams alongside Sonia. And one book that uh, we've been reading or that he recommended to me was a book called Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. And it it pursues that idea that in order to get good at doing difficult things, you need to consistently choose the more difficult thing. And our world, right, Sonia, is set up now for you not to have to do that. That that seems to be the, the uh, benefit and negative of having all of this technology and ease of use and ease of access to things is that previously, if you wanted to know about Herb Elliott and um, who is it you mentioned, Percy uh, Serity, you've got to go to a library. Now, here I am pulling it up on Wikipedia. And they're not saying just make your life more difficult. But as you've said to me before, if you see a hill, run up it. Uh, How much of uh, your mental strength building as a youngster running those hills in Cove that we will all run on uh, the April Bank Holiday weekend, were you aware that I'm going to choose something more difficult here because somewhere, even subconsciously, you knew that was better for you? 
Well, I think, yeah, from a young age and my training program was set out that, you know, certain days I would purposely go out and run a hilly course. Um, I would often be seen running around laps of the track and which on, on the field, hmm. laps and laps of the field, because that was one of the few soft surface areas to run in co. Um, but then I would go on a Wednesday and run over the hills. And these are definitely the hills that we'll be running in the Crow of 10 miles. <laughs> these are proper hills, yeah. Yes. And then, and the thing was to, you know, run hard up the hills hmm. and then recover in between and then run hard up the next hill. So you had to kind of psych yourself up and be ready for each of these hills. And it's often if you have a hilly course that you run on, you break it down into how many hills there are. And sometimes there's more than you think because there'll be three big ones. But then you'll be out there and you'll be thinking, oh, this is kind of a hill as well. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. the gentle slopes. The drag, yeah. yeah. And I think if you go with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to work hard up the hill and then I'm going to cruise along the top and then work hard up the next hill, that, that becomes a bit more purpose to it. So then it's not as hard to do it because it's like you're prepared for it. And you're not afraid of it. And that's the thing with a lot of stuff is that you have to, to believe in what you're doing and not be afraid. And by doing that, then you become a bit more resilient with things and you're not looking for the easy way out. Like you see this when you're coaching athletes. Some athletes will always look for the easy way mm. and others will want to do more. And it's just how they are. Mm. And I'm not sure. It's not always easy to change that in a person because they're just, that's how they are. Mm, that it's, it's conditioned into them. It's conditioned into them, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible to work on your mental strength or your psychological strength and, and be able to push yourself a little bit further and to, to, to rise to the challenge and to block out these negative voices in your head that everybody gets and you just have to find ways around it and find the reasons why you're doing this and why you're not you know just sitting at home and having a cup of tea and a biscuit <laughs> well sonia i'm walking proof that you can work on this uh I, I may as well just remind people of the journey if they're just joining us i forget sometimes that we've an awful lot of new listeners and you're all very welcome uh, up to two years ago, I was not a runner and running a park run in 33 minutes for me was an achievement. And through working with Sonia, I broke 20 for it. 1950 was the time uh, for 5K. And I had to work on exactly what she said. I was one of those people that my brain was like a trapped rat searching for that easier route out. And it can be worked on. And what I understand now is what you're talking about is this central governor theory. Uh, this is a theory that says that there is um, a neural calculated safe exertion point for your body and that when your brain is telling you to stop, it is essentially an act of self-protection on the part of your brain. And as Sonia says, that's conditioned in from a very young age. It's totally natural. It's a product of evolution. But uh, it, it can be reduced. You can reduce the effect of that voice or at least get better 
at not listening to it. And again, that's something we'll talk about in the second half of this show with Vinnie Mulvey. Uh, and he relates all of his experience uh, coaching people and his own his own running career. And of course, David Goggins. We'll come back to the topic in a, in a minute, Sonia, but we do need to go around the parishes and see what our listeners have been running this week. Maybe we should start on you with the Irish indoors where Israel Olatundi smashed the Irish 60 metre record with uh, his victory. 6.57 seconds. Did you get to watch this? I, I did see some. I didn't see it live, but I saw some highlights of it. And um, he nearly ran another <laughs> EB or record for the, 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 the bit of a the victory, victory lap. Run that he, <laughs> if, he had, if he had gone for a whole lap at a track, he might have broke the Irish record in the 200 as well. He was... He was was just living up to everything of, you know, the the typical sprinter (laughs) mentality (laughs) that you would see of the excitement of it all and running off the track. And, yeah, no, he he is unbelievable. And, you know, the energy that he has to break the record and then to embrace the crowd Mm. while he's doing it. Yeah, he's an entertainer for sure. Dara McElhaney was another entertainer who I thought would have done very well at those cross-country championships but of course he, he was at the indoors too and beat uh, Dar- uh, Nick Griggs in the 3000 now when we talk about your kick Sonia uh, Darren McElhinney's kick must must bring back memories because this boy's got a, a rocket <laughs> ready to go did you see it to see his uh, finish in that race I did and you know we talk about Nick Griggs as being the next big thing you know as a, he's still only 18 years old mm. and um, you know he's he's a great junior athlete um, and he did fantastic to keep up with Dara but yeah Dara you know it's like shooting something out of a rocket <laughs> when he gets going <laughs> uh, he absolutely does fly um, he, he did I did see he ran in he ran in um, Boston I think there a couple of weeks ago and he didn't have as good a run over there um, but he's preparing for the European indoors I believe um, so that's why he didn't want to go to the World Cross Country Championships. Mm. Uh, in a way, I would say, you know, European indoors, World Cross Country, <laughs> they're not comparable. No. Um, and one day, I think Dara should come and run the World Cross Country. I think it's a rite of passage for a lot of athletes to run at the World Cross Country Championships and to make a mark, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And once athletes do that, and many athletes have run the world cross country like a lot, like years and years in a row, and they always have this benchmark that they have set for themselves. And do they do, you know, they're always trying to better that every time they come back and run. So, you know, you don't shy away from the competition of, you know, the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, the Ugandans who, you know, really like toughed it out over this course. I mean, it was not easy for anybody out there. Yeah, sure. It looked insane. Um, and it's just one of those things that does take people out of their comfort zone. And, you know, like anything, you have to believe that 
it's helping you or that it's good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, is but, it as tough yeah. as the drum shambo half marathon? Though that's the question. <laughs> Have you ever seen <laughs> the drum shambo half marathon? Damien Cawley ran it this weekend in an hour and twenty seven seconds, which is a phenomenal time, Damien. That's that's my first proper shout out from the Strava parishes. Uh, there, there are ridiculously difficult halves around the place. Uh, I, I am looking for one in March. If people want to suggest one, I don't care how far I have to drive for it. Uh, please do shout them out to Podcast at gmail.com. So, Sonia, who, who do you want to shout out there from around the, co- uh, the Strava parishes? Um, I'll give a shout out to Peter Allen. Uh, he says he was meant to be in Seville. Um, oh. So... What was in Seville? Was that a half marathon? Was or a mar- I think this man marathon got injured the day before the marathon. This is a very sad okay. one. and But he managed to do this run instead the next day. Yeah, commiserations to him. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think he just did a little easy run to probably yeah. um, make him feel himself not feel so guilty about not being there. Um, but also not wanting to take too much risk um, mm. while still getting ready for the London marathon. So maybe he's um, doesn't want to let you down. He wants yeah. to be there with you in <laughs> nine weeks' time. Well, shout out to him and making the smart move there. I mean, in all this talk of toughness, you know, there is the risk, isn't there, of pushing through and not listening to the voice when the voice is actually telling you something quite important. Uh, if you are out there thinking, yeah, I'll push through, actually, this hip flexor isn't that big of a deal. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that there is a big uh, health warning that comes with all of this talk of mental toughness tim tim long wasn't listening to the voice this weekend 421 pace for 28 kilometers uh, tim you are running phenomenal stuff and noel carr said that we should give you a shout out on the show sonia that is ridiculous stuff isn't it well i think 28.97 nearly 29 kilometers You'll be heading up that way yourselves pretty soon. Yeah, 26 yeah. next weekend. Uh, if anyone yeah. wants to join me, I'll be doing it around the Phoenix Park, two laps. Uh, it's it's a good, fun loop, that Phoenix Park loop, with a few hills thrown in. This week, Wes, uh, Finton and Jan did it with me, and I grabbed a little bit of a voice note with them on the walk back to the car. We're just finished a 23 kilometre long run prescribed by Vinny with two bits of threshold in the middle of it. I'm here with Finton, Jan and Wes. We're on the walk back to the car with the wind that would cut the bollocks off you, I think is the meteorological term that they use. Finton, how did that feel for you? This is no... Not a big deal for you now, no, let's no, be honest. No, it was lovely, a lovely run. Uh, we kind of trotted along nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah, was you, handy you were the that. engine now pulling the train. Yeah, the, the rest of us were yeah. tagging along with <laughs> Fenton. Uh, was rock solid at the front. Wes, you, you're not training for anything particular at the moment, but uh, it wasn't a bother on you out there either. No, the last few K was a bit, was a bit stiff, but... I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Very it was great. And honestly, uh, if you haven't tried the bit of threshold in the middle of your long run, there is something to be said for it because just when your legs are starting to get a bit sluggish, you've got to do this thing that you whip through a kilometre. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, we're, we've really broken the back on it now. And you're juiced up. That wasn't what happened for poor old Jan, though, Jan. Not a good day at the office today. Uh, yeah, no, I, I stopped on about 18, 19k. And, but then when I looked at the watch, actually, the pace was decent, but it felt awful. 
So bounce back next week, hopefully. But you did the right thing. You did the right thing. There's no point in pushing through and then not being able to run for the rest of the week. But uh, thanks, lads. Thanks so much. There's absolutely no way I would have done that run without you. So thank you so much. Exactly. That's what it's all about. So I have Brian, Brian O'Farrell here in Finger on, and he did an afternoon run two, at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's it's, it's never easy to go out in the afternoon, <laughs> but he went down there. He put on an old pair of shoes and he said he went at some unexpected pace. So there must have been a bit of memory foam in his uh, <laughs> Pegasus Turbos. But oh, the Pegasus Turbos the were a great shoe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think you ever had I was, those. I was too late to the party for the Peg Turbo. But people I always told so. me they were a great shoe. They were a great shoe. And uh, I mean, you're heavily embedded in the nike camp now and there must be talk of the new vapor flies on the way uh what is what is the chat around the place about the new version because of course people go they never got the pegasus back to the point of being peg turbos is there much chat about these new vapor flies um I actually haven't heard anything. Are they, have you heard that they're coming? Yeah, well, I mean, there's... Uh, it, yeah. it, they're, well, like, look, I, I, I'm attached to all of these accounts that are sneak peeks at all kinds of different sneakers. And the, you know, the new Vaporfly is, looks like a kind of reinvented wheel to me. Uh, I kind of feel like this, having been a Jordan fan for so many years, that they reinvented the Jordan every single year to sell shoes when there was no need to. They were just a great shoe. Don't don't do it. But I guess that doesn't improve your profit margin at the end of the year. I'll be interested to know if anybody out there has managed to get their hands on a new pair of Vaporflies. Uh, what the what the response is I do need to give a shout out again to John Buckley Sports down in Cork who sent me these Sokoni uh, super shoes Sonia I'm going to give them a blast at a park run one of these Saturdays uh, we'd love to know where I should go Poppentry is my usual spot uh, but uh, if you've got one that you want to suggest again Podcast at gmail.com we'll get one final shout out from you Sonia and then we'll head to the break well- Right, I was studying the um, <laughs> the Vaporfly three there. <laughs> I I I kind of like I suppose when I'm focused on something else, and I was very much focused on the cross country on the weekend. Right. Then I I wasn't paying much attention to the shoes yeah. <laughs> as much. <laughs> yeah. well, I kind of think you see my shoes don't they don't wear out as much they don't run as much anymore. Mm. But you were, your shoes will probably start to wear out now. So I'm going to. Get in here quickly. I've got one in here. No. Oh, my gosh. And I'm, I'm on the groups. <laughs> here, let me ask you a question then. Yeah. If we're going to give a shout out, who stood out for you at the World Cross Country Championships? Who was the one, the head turner for you that you went, whoa, didn't see that coming? Ooh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> That's a tough one now because <laughs> I suppose I was cheering on the Australian team in the relay because Jessica Hull was running. Mm. And she ran. She ran really well. And, so that, and my friend Stewie. Stewie, yeah, he ran decent. He was not feeling a hundred percent, but he he ran he ran as well as he could on the day. Very good. Uh, but he didn't. He really didn't look like he was as good as I've seen him. So he mm. didn't turn my head either. Well, <laughs> we did like, see a, ter- a tremendous, like a I don't know if tremendous is the word, but there was uh, l- l- let's send a bit giddies. Well, I mean, it's just, if people haven't seen this, I'll put it in the notes, just a very, very tough end to the race where she appeared to black out 
or just the legs gave out. What did what did people put that down to? I mean, it couldn't have been the heat for her. Well, I think it probably was. You reckon? Um, oh yeah. I mean, the thing is, in Kenya and Ethiopia, it's not actually that hot there. Right. Um, time. So where they train is at altitude. So it's they don't actually train in the heat, and they don't particularly like the heat. Um, but this was very very warm. Mm. Um, you know, it was thirty five degrees before you even started so it was warm before you even started running yeah and you know they typically these um ethiopians and kenyans warm up with their full tracksuit on and she didn't look very comfortable the whole way in the race she did but not comfortable like in a running sense but she just didn't look comfortable with the conditions with the course um and it, it looked like she was trying to take it easy for as long as she could and then she got to a point and she just got into the lead. And now, let's make giddy. She is the world record holder at the 10,000 meters and the 5,000 meters. Yeah. So, you know, and I can't remember, maybe even the half marathon. She's got some ridiculous time in the half marathon, like 63 minutes or something. You know, she's like this. A phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the competition is not something that would be very difficult for her to handle in a normal road race um, where she would be in control of what's going on. And Whereas in this race, yeah, she may have went a little bit too early and I was actually watching from behind the finish line. So the athletes, they ran down the hill and then they turned around and they ran up between these tires before they came back around and ran down into the finish. And... We were watching them coming down the hill and then go up between the tires and she went up and she had a sizable lead. Yeah. And Chibet was coming behind her and this Kenyan coach was going absolutely mental. <laughs> like, <laughs> yelling and screaming at her in Kenyan. And we were looking like, this guy, does he really think she's going to catch her? <laughs> but he obviously saw something. Yeah. And, and then she got up to the top and she was going at high speed when she came down into the finish. But... There was these kind of speed bump things. Yeah, um, looking at them right now. I, they were like moguls. Yeah, it's, very strange. It, yeah, so I mean that race was actually quite phenomenal to watch it. And But we were just kind of strolling over. We were behind the screen and we were strolling over to the finish expecting that Giddy was just going to win. And then there was this like big gasp from the crowd. Yeah. And it was like she fell. <sighs> and then when when the official or her team like coaches came out to try and help her and pick her up and then you know they, all of a sudden then everyone's talking like oh what happens here now hmm. and so she ended up she got disqualified because she got helped to her feet because she got helped to her feet and into the finish line um, so that was a big surprise I think that yeah. I mean she was definitely one highly favoured to win the race um, but not impossible that she wouldn't just because of the unpredictability of the course and the conditions. And so I do, it, I'm sure the heat definitely played was a part of it. Hmm. Um, there was another, there was a number of other athletes who just kind of got the wobbles, you know, so, so close to the finish line. I think when you come around the top end, you see the finish and you think you're there. And it's a good, like, 200 meters down into the finish from when you turn the bend and you know, your your mind is kind of confused because it's downhill. So it seems closer, it seems easier. 
and then you go for it and and you know for somebody who was that much of a lead and kept looking behind her that maybe her kind of balance and the sync of what she was doing was a bit out of sync mm. and that, and then she just was shocked when she got past God, it was one of the most dramatic pieces of sports footage I've seen in an awful long time, Sonia. It was nearly like the f- the most uh, graphic depiction of hitting, inverted commas, the wall that you'll ever see. I'll put the clip in the uh, episode notes over on Patreon. And after the break, I'm going to be joined by Vinnie Mulvey, who will talk to us about David Goggins, about a completely different slant on this uh, mental toughness building. And I'm going to ask Sonia about that wall uh, with nine weeks to go to London. Need to ha- may as well have a little chat about does the wall exist or is it more like quicksand and what can be done about it? Come on over to Patreon, join us and support the show. That is the only way that I get to make this through the support of people like you who just love the show and want to hear more of it. So come over there for the price of a pint each month. You'll get access to absolutely everything, including this Sunday's big interview with none other than Steve Coogan, a.k.a. Alan Partridge or Martin Brennan. You're going to love that chat next Sunday on Irishman Abroad. I think anybody can be a runner. It just depends on what level of runner you want to be. It's a new world record for Sonia O'Sullivan. Brilliant run by the Irish girl. O'Sullivan has closed the gap quietly, efficiently, but most of all, economically and that is important running is one of those that you can actually get started without too much it's probably one of the simplest sports you can do you really don't need a whole lot people think they need more than they need well that's an impressive piece of running so far by Sonia O'Sullivan yes I am still running but I'm running because I enjoy it Sonia O'Sullivan is moving out nicely is this to be Ireland's first ever female world champion Sonia O'Sullivan is on her way to another magnificent victory. Running is a kind of a, an adjective or, that you can use to describe a lot of different things. And Sonia O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland and our home city of Cove. It's different for everybody. And I think now there's a much greater kind of acceptance among all levels of runners that we're all doing the same thing but we're all doing it at our own level Sullivan wins the world 5,000 meter title only the second athlete in history to do the 5,000 10,000 double Sonia O'Sullivan has rewritten the history books in Budapest this Sunday evening that is simply magnificent (laughs) 